So I would start my day at about six o'clock in the morning and then I would come back at about 7 p.m. So it was quite a long day. Yeah, and it's um, hot, right? Oh, yeah, it's boiling. And staying in a hotel, like, oof. But, you know, it's for the kids. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Root and Bone, the podcast where we find chefs, cooks, critics, writers and anyone else we'd like to meet from the UK's food culture and persuade them to invite us over for a meal. We ask for that meal to be one that really means something to them. And while they cook, we talk about food, about life, about anything they feel like. And this week's guest has a lot to talk about, whether she's judging on Junior Bake Off, whether she's writing for The Telegraph and The Guardian, producing cookbooks or campaigning to improve the restaurant industry or teaching people how to bake or making an Instagram star out of her grandma, Ravni Gill is 100% committed to everything that she does, including feeding a scruffy bunch of podcasters. So join us for a helping of potato paratas, perseverance and putting the record straight. So this is extremely kind of you to have us. Thanks for letting us into your house. And it's really nice to meet you. It's so nice to meet you guys. And um, so I guess the best place to start is, what are we having? Well, I'm gonna be making you a dish that I like am obsessed with. It's my mum's, I can say it in Punjabi accent, in like an Indian accent. I always get a bit shy, but they're aloo parantas. And they're like flatbread stuffed with potato and coriander and onion. And I just, and you eat it with a big bowl of yogurt. Why did you choose to cook this today? Because you were like, choose something that reminds you of home. Uh, yeah, kind of home, like, yeah. yeah. Or and home kind of like, or a special time yeah, or one yeah, of those yeah. things that you crave when you can't have it. And this is like, because I now live on my own, my mum used to make these on a Saturday morning for us as a treat. And it would just be like the thing. You'd wake up in the morning, get the biscuit tin out and eat like the entire biscuit tin full of Maryland chocolate chip cookies. <laughs> because mum would be getting these ready for lunch and then you'd eat these and be full all day. And they were just like so special to me. So what's going on? What are we going to do? So I boiled potatoes last night because you've got to boil the potatoes the night before. And I made the dough just before you got here, which is just like simple whole wheat, flour and water and oil. You okay. don't put any salt in this dough. And you know what? To be honest, loads of... I couldn't get really thin green chilies, so we're going to have the like not super spicy. And every Indian person makes them differently. Right. So everyone will be like, that's not how you make it, but <laughs> so annoying. Is your mum going to listen to this and oh, say, that's not how you make them? 100%. But my mum also wouldn't listen to this because she doesn't actually understand how to access a podcast, but you know. Even though you're on it, she's not, yeah, no. not going to listen to it. She okay. barely yeah, interacts with any of the things. <laughs> Does she think in fact that you don't yet have a proper job? Yeah, yeah. My grandma still thinks I work in a factory. Right. So, and I just go with that. Have they not even watched you? They must have watched She's you on seen, Junior Bake Off. My grandma has seen me on TV, but still asks me how the job at the factory is going. And okay. I just go, great. Maybe I just go, yeah, great. At the television factory where you make the television programs, perhaps, it's perhaps. going really, really well. Yeah. She's got no clue, but also doesn't really care. And like Harry Hill's the sort of supervisor yeah. and like Liam's the line manager <laughs> and you're just showing but up like, for a shift. My parents are like that. They're not very like, they're not praise driven. Right. They're very like, you could always do better. So when Bake Off came out, you know, all my friends are like, oh, are you going to have a viewing party with your parents? My parents are like, barely. Don't the fuck. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like we, I'd be like, guys, it's like five o'clock, let's all sit down and watch it. And my mum would be in and out all the time. My grandma would walk in and go, literally put her hands up in the air and walk out again. It wasn't like they, yeah. but that's fine. I kind of like that because it keeps me really humble. Right. You know, I think if they were super, super praise driven, then um, maybe I'd have a big head. 
Does that mean that kind of, I think I read somewhere that in the beginning when you, because you graduated with a psychology degree, is that yeah. right? Yeah, I did. Okay. And forgive me for asking, like, how long ago was that? Mm, I'm 30 now, so nine years ago. Okay. And again, it's a cliche to talk about kind of Indian families or Southeast Asian families in this way. I can't imagine they were like cock a hoop about the idea of you going into the catering business. Definitely not happy about that. Right. I'm going to go kind of spicy, by the way. Oh, mate, like lay it on. Are absolutely. We all good with that? Even if it turns into absolute agony for me, it will be funny. I think it'll um, be great. Okay. And you can laugh at me for being a wuss. Okay. So that's all fine. Pile it all in. Um, yeah, they were not happy about it. Like my mum, my dad was way more supportive than my mum. I don't really know why, because my dad really wanted me to get a stable career because he, he went to university, he was really smart, dropped out almost immediately and then like worked on market stalls and then trained to be an accountant when he was 40 right. and I think he was like you're not doing that you've got to go to uni yeah. but he was actually way more supportive than my mum how long did it take them to kind of get over that or maybe they haven't got well they're over still that, getting over it they're still getting over <laughs> the fact that I'm not married and that I like live on my own and that I'm a chef <laughs> my mum said to me the other day she was like you know I was thinking that when are my kids gonna get married I have all my savings ready. And I was like, it's just not gonna, she was like, she's basically resigned herself to the fact that it's not gonna happen. And I'm like, Aww. I'm like, it's not the be all and end all. Marriage is not the be all and end all. You know, she just thinks, she thinks, she thinks that's the goal in life. Yeah, it, but that's, I, I sense that's probably bouncing off her skull, that yeah. sentence. Just, no, I don't and even understand like, what those words mean. Yeah, I'm like, mum, I wrote a book and I've ri I'm writing another one and I make really good money and I'm financially independent. She's like, but marriage is <laughs> the, the key thing. She would rather not married. For the benefit of people who can't watch what's going on here, yeah. like, what's going on? What are we doing? I am chopping a green chilli. Like a fat one, though. I'm upset that I couldn't get a really skinny one. Keeping the seeds, keeping, oh, keeping the lot. right? Never, ever. I'm always baffled when I see people take the seeds out. I'm like, why would you do that? My mum, like, never took them out. And then also, she never used chopping boards, ever. And I remember when I first went to cooking school, I was like, hmm, this is, like, an interesting rule that we've got to use chopping boards for things because I'm used to just like cutting things in my hand you know same as my mum you okay. put the what? onion in your hand and you get a knife and you just okay you know. that's a new one on me <laughs> is it yeah I mean that sounds like a trip to casualty yeah and concerned. then I remember when I was like 20 I was like guys we're getting a chopping board <laughs> and I made my parents buy a chopping board and like a knife that actually worked because they just use these like Tomato knives, you know, the little serrated yeah, yeah, ones? Yeah, 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 yeah. Blunt as hell. And yeah, you just yeah, yeah. force it through. Yeah, that's how my mum chops everything. She chops it directly into the bowl. Ah, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can so, you still do that? I'm not going to ask you to do it now if you don't want to, but yeah, could you still course. do that under pressure? You could cut it all up in your hand. Yeah, I mean, but it's not, it sounds more daunting. Let me see if I've got a, that knife, because you've got to use a tomato knife. Okay. For example, like a chilli, you would just stand Yeah, of course. Like, I mean, I only then, do that with like a banana. Yeah. <laughs> That's the only ingredient that I would feel and then, kind but, of safe but enough. The annoying thing about it is you then get like larger chunks and like smaller chunks. Yeah, you can't be like pairing. Yeah. You can't do yeah, like yeah, yeah. red onion slices thin enough for a bagel yeah, or whatever. But you would yeah. just stand, you'd like make all your grooves and then just stand and like push them all into the thing. You know okay. what I mean? But when, we're not going to get consistency like that. It's not right. And so, and what's going on now? So we've got half a red so, onion. But yeah, I'm just going to put some onion in because I love onion. And we always put onion in. Um, ideally, it's a white onion, but I didn't have any. So we're going to go red onion. Red onion is fine. is fine. And is that chopped fine enough so that it cooks a little bit in the, yeah, in the exactly, bread? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Not super, super fine, though, because you want to see the chunks of the onion in there. Okay. And you don't want any of it to go to mush, if okay. that makes sense. 
It's very, it's really important that it's and not And are you trying to keep the sharpness of the onion flavour rather than, say, the sweetness of something that's long cooked and yeah. softened? Yeah, exactly. Okay, so it all goes right. in raw. It's really funny, like, I used to make these. I worked at an Indian restaurant for a while called Jamavar, and one of the chefs there taught me his method of doing it. We used to make them for staff breakfast. It's completely different from the way my mum makes them. So I'm kind of doing, like, a mishmash of the two. Right. Because I loved his. His was so good. Like, he puts turmeric in, in the potatoes, and my mum would never do that. But okay. we're going to do that. So yeah, we've got coriander, a yeah. lot of fresh coriander. Is that I all going to go in? I love fresh coriander. I rinsed this yesterday, but I always think when you rinse herbs straight away before you cut them, they all go manky. Oh, okay. So, so this... that looks like a proper grocer size bunch yeah. of fresh coriander. <laughs> yeah. And rinse the day before yeah. and then dry. That's a good tip. Because I always think if you then rinse and try and chop, it just goes to mush. Because you can't dry them enough yeah. after the rinse. And then you chop and then, yeah, yeah, yeah. no, that's a good tip. My mum always does that. She keeps them like rinsed in the fridge all the time. How many are you making, by the way? Mm, I don't know. I actually don't know. We'll okay. just see. We'll see what happens. Okay. <laughs> okay. And we stalks and all the whole lot? Just up to the roots. But I really love, actually, I grew up eating a lot of these like stalks mm. in a lot of my food. So I'm not funny about them. Um, I like, um, we've just got a stock pot on the stove in my house all the time. Do you? Yeah. And whatever there's left yeah. just goes in it. Yeah, so the tops of the carrots or the bit of the onion that comes off that, that you brilliant. should eat, but you sort of it fell off, or the tip of the garlic that you've cut off, or the chicken bone or whatever. Yeah. And basically, I just turn the boil under it every day yeah. to cook whatever I've put in it. And what do you do with it? So it will go into couscous, yeah. which I eat a lot of at home. Yeah. A spoonful of stock over the dog's food. So we make sure the dog eats because she's like 14 and she could be a bit grumpy. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, risotto, like put a bit into a pasta sauce or shakshuka. Just Bloody anything that hell. needs a bit of flavour. There's just a, a ladle full of stock is your best friend. That is so great. Um, but we're not here to talk about my cooking, oh, okay? It's all about your cooking. <laughs> and so I would say we're going for a good sort of two fistfuls of finely chopped coriander. I love coriander. Yeah, me do you too. like coriander? I do. And I don't have that genetic thing where it tastes like soap, no, um, which too. I'm very grateful for. Me too. So you are chopping up these... Boiled potatoes. So you've got Not boil... parboiled, like soft boiled, yeah. ready to eat boiled. And these are two sort of, I would say, two pretty large yeah. potatoes that have been boiled. And then you peeled the skins off yeah. and now you're dicing them up. But you can't boil them on the same day because it, then it literally tastes like glue. Ah, because the starch is in the water. Yeah, and, yeah you've yeah, just yeah. got to like... And I've got to get my hands in there in a minute, but you've got... Yeah, it just... And do you want a waxier right. potato or a flourier potato? You want more of a waxy potato. Okay. But to be honest, it doesn't matter. My mum will make this out of anything. Like, right. She's not fussy at all. and She's so not chefy. She does everything by like how it tastes. So... You know, my mum's house is whatever potato she's got. Okay. And she always has a cardboard box in the utility room full of potatoes. Right. And onions. The bulk buy of potatoes <laughs> yeah. and onions. There's always a yeah. sack of onions and a massive sack of potatoes. Okay. You know. And she goes through them enough. You don't go out there and there's like eyes poking out of them. No, they're no, all no. Like, they're, okay. they're like constantly in use, which is great. And my grandma's got this really weird, annoying habit that she's developed where she, whenever anyone goes out, she boils potatoes for no reason. <laughs> So you'll come home and just see, like, boiled potatoes on the side. Right. And she'll insist that she's going to do something with them, but she never does. She makes delicious parantas. Like, she makes the most incredible ones. If Fenugree can, like... But she's... Because she's getting quite old, my mum does, like, most of her cooking and everything now. Okay. So she doesn't do as much as she used to or would like to. Okay, so in our bowl of 
potatoes we've got, the onion, the coriander, the salt, lemon zest, and the sprinkling of white pepper. Yeah, and we've got turmeric and turmeric. ground cumin. And like, I guess I had a bit of ground coriander seeds, which are really, really important. I'm thinking of grinding up some more if I can be bothered, but this is like a bit of a spice mix that I made the other day. And okay, I'm just gonna can I dip a finger yeah, in Yeah, of course. And so what spices are blended up in here? So that's um, a bit of fennel actually, which is like not traditional in this, but a bit okay. of fennel, a bit of coriander seed. And then interestingly, I put some pepper and chili flakes and also a bit of sumac in there. And I was using it last <gasps> night. Sumac? Something. Yeah. So that's quite a dark, woody and like, spice blend. Yeah, and you wouldn't normally put that in here at all. My mum makes her own garam masala spice blend like every summer. She dries the spices out outside in the garden and then blends it all and then keeps that for ages. But I couldn't get to her to get any, so. Gutted. And so, hands in the bowl, yeah. squishing all of this together. Got now to. you don't want this to get, I'm gonna guess you don't want this to get to like mashed potato consistency. You want a bit of kind of lumpiness to it. Well, you kind of want like a little bit of mushiness because you, you're rolling it out. So if it's too chunky, then it'll break the dough and that's really annoying. So right. You've got to have like a few chunks, but like, but not gluey. Okay. I just, I don't know how to say it, but not, just not gluey. Does so that make sense? Yeah, so the, um, the greatest cooking tip ever, I, that I ever got, is from Jeffrey Steingarten. Have you ever read Jeffrey Steingarten? No. He wrote, wrote an amazing, he used to be the food critic for American Vogue. Yeah. And he wrote a book called The Man Who Ate Everything. Okay. And there's a chapter on dauphinoise, just yeah. on cooking the right dauphinoise. And there's, most of that chapter is just talking about starch. Okay. And he's like, for mashed potato, you want to get rid of as much starch as possible. And the reason you have to rice the potato yeah. is because when you mash it, you keep hitting the same starch proteins over and over again and yeah. missing others, which is why you get your gluey mash. But for your dauphinoise, yeah. you want every bit of that starch. Yeah. So like he slices them uniformly for the dauphinoise mm -hmm. and then sweeps them off the chopping board yeah. with all the starch liquid into the baking tray mm -hmm. because you need every bit of it. And then the starch turns your cream into cheese while it's baking okay. and you get that cheesy dauphinoise thing. Potato can you do starch. me a favour actually? Can you slice that lemon in half? Yes. Oh, so yeah, you're supposed to be letting me help oh, at some I? point. Yeah, but I should have mentioned And then that. like... Top and tail or just, just rough like, Actually, half? just squeeze some juice into here. Okay. And just give me like a nice squeeze of lemon in there. You say when? Um, <laughs> that's good, that's good, that's perfect. Sorry people, I've mildly perfect. covered TV's Ravneet Gill in Fine. lemon juice. Don't worry, I didn't wear my best t-shirt. Do you tea towel? There's one here. Oh, thank you. There you go. So I think that's probably not chef quality help there. Don't worry, I, no, I needed it. I, I'm used to like my mum having her hands covered in potato and stepping in to do stuff like this. Okay, and so, yeah, okay. And that's looking, it's some looking of the, good. I think you got some moisture from the coriander, you got some moisture from the chopped onion, you got some moisture from the mm. lemon. Yeah. It's all starting to kind of. You can smell it. Yeah. Oh, that smells amazing. The coriander yeah. is powerful. I love coriander. In a good way. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. And that, that spice mix, mm. that woody spice mix, mm. feels like that's a sort of base layer underneath mm. that fresh green mm. note on the top. Would yeah. that be fair? I mean, you can, yeah, please try a bit of the potato mix. It's really funny because my mum's got like a really high salt threshold. So she's always like, everything to her needs more salt, basically. So I keep asking people this because I'm fascinated yeah. by it. Right? So, have you always been a pastry chef or were you always, did you chef other things? Were you like a savoury cook as well? No, I, I would say that I've always loved food. Actually, I grew up quite fussy. 
but I've always loved sweet stuff. Okay. I've always wanted to be a pastry chef. Right. It was only when I started cooking in, in like kitchens that I actually was like, no, I need to learn savory as well. Okay. Formally, like properly, you know? <clears throat> I didn't go to cookery school for savory food, but I started learning as I went to like picking up a few shifts here. And like actually Matty, who's been incredible, has taught me so much about savory food. And it like, I'd always like, on my days off be cooking or learning. And my mum, she's such an incredible savory chef. Like there's no recipes. It's always just like by eye, she's amazing. But she doesn't like me in the kitchen with her. Okay. So she doesn't really like teaching me much. So it's always been like me watching her since yeah, I was yeah, young. Yeah. Anyway, I fucking love savory food as much as I love sweet. I think you've got a- Cause I've got, got this theory <laughs> that if you're a professional chef yeah. at the savory end of the spectrum, yeah. I think maybe you get blunted to salt flavor because there's so much yeah. salt in restaurant food yeah. you taste so much yes the combination of the salt and the lemon in this potato mix like the lemon's just stopping it from being too salty oh, good. it's just like right there so there's the kind of the citrus and the salt it's like the high note of this for one of a less pretentious description yeah. it's really nice oh good well i think that's also because there's no salt in the dough so you have to like really account for that in the mixture and yeah yeah like yeah and um, forget that. if you put salt in the dough, does it, would that affect it in terms of how it cooks or it's just better to season the potatoes? It's always, but yeah, because often, well, my mum always says that it will make the, it will mess up the dough. Don't put salt in the dough because how she makes it, she does it by eye. She keeps adding flour, keeps adding water. So she's always like, just don't put salt in it. Just put okay. it only in the, in the mixture. So yeah, I mean, I'm upset that I don't have a gas stove. It really upsets me, but I have to get over it. I have to get over it. No, I don't think you do. I think you have to remove this thing and put a gas stove in. I really want to. Like, I want to like, gut this whole kitchen and do it again. Cooking on electric sucks. Oh, I hate it. I mean, I'm I... sure yours will be fine. No, it's, no, it's, it's so <laughs> annoying. I really don't like it. I don't like it either. Because if you notice at the very sort of high end of the chef world, they're all getting into like induction yeah. hobs and the things that heat instantly. Yeah. As far as I'm concerned, a glass-topped electric hob is just the smell of a burnt J-cloth. Yeah, Do you know I what can't... I mean? Because you try and clean it when it's still warm it and just, then you yeah. need instant response, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. You need I to can't... know exactly what's going on. You can't be jabbing away at it like an iPad. I hate it. I absolutely hate it. Um, so what's going on on this chopping board? You have, let's go from dough to where we are now. What, what yeah. went on there? So, well, interestingly, what my mum does is you can make these a few different ways. She rolls out two rounds. She then puts the potato in the middle and then rolls it out together. So you have like way more potato, but then it's almost like two discs that are like kind of falling apart. With potato in the yeah, centre, yeah. right, right, right. Like a um, torta or a, yeah. or, a, yeah, or a sandwich. Well, whereas I prefer to make them with one dough mm -hmm. ball that you just stuff and roll. And like you don't get as much full potato inside, but you still get a good amount. But I think it just means that you then get something that doesn't fall apart really easily. And I really like that. So, so I'm going to say that that is about seven or eight inch round. Mm -hmm. That is quite thick. I would yeah. say like pizza base thick. Yeah. And you sort of push that out into a kind of a, a basin in your yeah, hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Put a good sort of golf ball, maybe slightly bigger handful of potato mixture yes. in there. Wrapped the dough around it. Yeah. Squished it together and now rolled it out so that they're pretty much one and the same. Exactly. The potato and the dough can't yeah. be separated. Yeah. Just give me um, a bit more of a roll making space on my chopping okay. board. But yeah, you don't want them too thin because then they don't come out nicely. You want and, them generous. And are you going to dry fry that or is there going to yeah. be some oil involved? There's going to be a bit of oil, but we're going to go butter. Okay. And that is smoking hot oil 
and a pan and, and, a, and a round big enough to fill a sort of yeah. family-sized frying pan. You've got to be quite generous with oil and fat when you're cooking these because it's such a dry dough, by the way. Okay, so that's more oil being spread on the yeah. on the upside of the um, the upturned yeah. side of the paratha, and then, and then are go you going to put butter on that as butter, well before yeah. you flip it? Butter after when it's made. Oh, yeah. okay, right, cool. And is this the kind of thing that basically, if you all you would have to do to start a massive argument is just tell people how you make these? Yeah. And everyone else would be like, oh, no, yeah. no, 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 yeah, no, yeah, no, no, yeah. That's like. I just think it's like, I'm always a bit fearful of putting like an Indian recipe online because you'll just get people being like, actually, it's called this, or it's not, that's not how we do it here. And it's like, oh, shut up, you know? Everyone does shit differently, basically. Right. And so. how does that community, for want of a less blunt description, how does that community feel about you being on Junior Bake Off and kind of being really high profile and yeah. all of that? Is there, is there a lot of kind of positivity or do you get a bit of grief for it? I would say I'm really lucky that the Indians come through, you know? Yeah, yeah, Like, yeah. when I was younger and there was an Indian person on the TV, it was an event. It was right, like, right, it was right, like, right, right, right. Stop what you're doing. Everyone get in the living room because there was an Indian person on TV. Right. Like, Connie Huck on Blue Peter. And yeah, like, yeah, all, yeah, I remember yeah. it just being such a thing. And it was basically... But then the issue is that Indian person represents all Indian people in the world. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it would be like... You know, like, when we used to watch Big Brother as a kid and there was an, one Indian contestant who was insane... Right. I would be like cringing. Yeah, inside. right, 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 right. Because like, you car you're carrying like the whole thing on your shoulders. <laughs> it's, it's so silly to actually think that that's how we used to think. Yeah. But then when I went on TV, I was like, oh my God, I'm carrying the weight. Did you feel that way? I did. Before you went on? Yeah, I was like fucking nervous. But, you know. <laughs> I mean, generally, it's close to sainthood to be on the Bake Off. You've done one season, is that right? I've done one. One season. I mean, yeah, tell me about that. The, you know, you get the call and then what happens next? It's got to be quite terrifying, yeah. isn't it? I mean, the thing that I always say to people is I never gunned for TV. Like, I never went. No, no. I never thought that it was going to... I didn't outwardly seek it. Mm -hmm. I just got an Instagram DM being like, we think you'd be great at this. That I then ignored. Right. For, like, a few weeks. And then... <laughs> and then I got an email. Excellent showbiz hustle, by the way. Yeah, yeah. nice. But just because I was like, nah, I kind of was like, I think I've seen that side of the media world and kind of felt that it wasn't for me. And why would, why would that be? What would have put you off? Because I don't like licking anyone's ass. <laughs> <laughs> I don't like disingenuous crap and I don't like... Did you feel to... that you might have to behave... Yeah. In a, you might have to create a persona for yourself or behave in a way that didn't feel quite authentic? Absolutely. I'm all about, like, I'll only do things that I really want to do. Right. Only because I just think, I don't know, it doesn't sit well with it in me. Yeah, yeah, It's the thing that I need to probably should... Didn't want to pretend it. Yeah. And then I remember I said, I got a LinkedIn message, and then I also got another Facebook message. Like, it was like they were trying to get in touch with me. And I remember being like, no, TV's not for me, because I also don't like the fact that it draws attention to a crowd of people that don't know you, but then make judgment, and that freaks me out. Right? Didn't want to be in the spotlight. Yeah, I was like, it freaks me out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then my mum... Then anyway, eventually I managed to speak to him on the phone and my mum was like... I got off the phone and I was like, oh, mum, that really weird, that was Junior Bake Off. They want me to, like, audition to be a judge. And then I was like, I'm not going to go, though. And my mum... <laughs> my mum went... Literally was... Behind, I remember exactly where she was. She was stood behind me. She was like, you shut up and just go. And I was like... All right, then I guess I'll go. <laughs> and then, like, that's the reason why I went for the interview. 
kind of took it as a bit of a like joke, didn't take it too seriously. But I think not putting myself under pressure is what made right. me be like myself. And they like resonated with it and liked it, and then I got the job. And so I am, I'm sure everyone listening would be very curious about how you audition for Junior Bake Off. <laughs> do they make you bake something? Like what, how did, what, what happened? So I went into a room, I met Liam, and I had to protect, they gave me some fondant fancies from Mr. Kipling, and I had to judge them as if like someone had oh. made them. <laughs> So I just like, I think I remember saying something like, if you can't make a basic sponge and some fondant, then what are you doing in this competition? Like as a, you know, just quite like brutally. And then that was the line that they loved. And they were like, she's got the job. And they were like, great, being really mean to children. (laughs) I think they just, I think they liked that I was like an actual, like a pastry chef. Right. And had like the expertise behind it. And then they brought two kids in. Oh no. They brought two kids in with their cakes that they'd made. And I had to like nicely tell them, if they were good or bad. And were they good? They were, they were actually quite good, I have to say. And I like had to eat that, that was fine. <laughs> I actually went into it very daunted and I'd never really worked with kids before. Right. I don't have many kids in my family, like I just didn't really yeah. know much about how to speak to them and like, it was just very new to me. Mm. And I remember my, my friends thought it was really funny that I'd got this job because I'm like not a kid person. Right. And then <laughs> actually once I had like, been there for a few weeks I suddenly turned into this like mushy person that like was giving them pep talks behind the scenes and like just loved loved every minute of it so yeah I definitely like it was a journey <laughs> and it, I mean it must be incredibly difficult to sort of deliver bad news to oh. small children like it's, it's awful it's really it must be really hard it's awful and seeing them cry is like just the worst thing this has to cook quite low and slow, by the way. Yes. So that's been flipped a couple of times already yeah. in the pan for like five minutes. Yeah, you want to go low and slow because if you go too much and they just get raw mm. dough inside. And... It must also be very difficult not to have favourites. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it is. <laughs> Are you and Liam and Harry kind of going, look, this mm. one, we're going to make sure this one wins because this one's our favourite. doesn't no. matter how well the baking I... goes. I, I thought that it would be more like that, but it is very fair, like the way that you judge is very much on how it tastes. Yeah. Like the way that me and Liam and Harry judge it, it's very much like how it tastes. Yeah, it's fun. I think also because it was kids' version, it's just a laugh and it was nice and there wasn't too much pressure. Because yeah, I feel yeah. like if it was the adult one, oh my goodness, I would have like, I wouldn't have wanted to do it. Well, but even now that you've done the junior one, you still think the adult one would be like a tough gig. You oh, can yeah. handle that now, no, no, surely. No. Too much of a jump. And I also feel like people are very much more open to just like, being mean to you, if you're, uh, if you're on a like, do you know what I mean? Do I you think your head would be further above the parapet if you were on adult Bake Off? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. There'd be more pressure, like, we more didn't, focus. People were just really nice and receptive to this Bake Off. The only, we only got like two or three dodgy comments about like race, which I knew we'd get. I knew we'd get that. Like I went in knowing that. Really? That was fine. Um, but you know, I feel like it, that would, it, would open, it would open up more of that. And I don't want that. Right. I've had a couple of friends who have ended up like modestly in the public eye. Yeah. Not to a huge extent, but you know, enough that kind of a few people might know their name. Yeah. And it does kind of bring some nutters out of the woodwork. Oh, it really does. It really does. I had like a death threat. What? Yeah. From Junior Bake Off? It was like almost whilst I was filming it, it was before it came out. See, that's that's a showbiz mum. Someone (laughs) saying that they lived with someone who wanted to kill me. 
it escalated to the police and I got sent the details of the police report. Wow. Because this person hated me so much. And I was like, I, don't, I, was like, I don't, understand. don't understand. Oh my God, that's so <laughs> weird. Yeah, I know. Okay, so we're going to move on from death threats to a, to a, cooking, <laughs> to a cooking tip. Yeah. So I've never seen anyone do that before. So adding <laughs> butter to the upside of the flatbread, yeah. Rav just rubbed the entire <laughs> block of unsalted lower pack like she was rubbing out a drawing in, uh, in, in, uh, in, in art class. That's a much better way of doing it yeah. than just taking I mean, a slice off the end and trying to push it around with the back of a spoon. I've got bougie estate dairy butter in the fridge, but my mum uses anchor as a rule. And she's always got, literally, it's like a pack like this in the fridge in a butter dish that Pick you just up. take out yeah. and you use it like a chalk stick, you know? Hold it like an ice cream sandwich yeah. and just rub it. That's a, that's, see, that's the sort of tip I absolutely live for. Yeah, that is my mum all over, so. Okay. And then the butter's always got these like bits of, bits of roti on it or something. <laughs> <laughs> and so, successful first season on Junior Bake Off, you're happy with it? Yes. Would no. people be surprised at how, because obviously it looks extremely casual, it looks extremely relaxed, it looks extremely sort of informal and kind of loosey-goosey. Do you think yeah. people would be surprised at, at how much work goes into making it look like that? 100%. I was surprised myself. I thought I just went, I was going on and like doing it in the same way that I saw it being yeah. on TV. It's, it's quite different. It's quite different. So how long does it take just to do one episode? It takes an entire day. Okay. An entire day. And how much of that entire day? I mean, so basically you're leaving nearly all of that on the cutting room floor, right? So I would start my day at about six o'clock in the morning and then I would come back at about 7 p.m. So it's quite a long day. Yeah, and it's um, hot, right? Yeah, oh, yeah, it's boiling. And staying in a hotel, like, oof. But you know, it's for the kids. <laughs> Doing it for the kids. for the kids. And now that you've done that, yeah. you know, everyone says this to you. I've watched a lot of your interviews. I've read a lot of things that you've done. You know, before you did this, people regarded you as being an insanely busy person. Yeah. Right? So you are the Telegraph's baking columnist. Yeah. You are also contributing to Guardian Weekend. Yeah, I do Guardian once a month. Okay. You run Counter Talk. I do. Which I'm going to sort of badly describe as a sort of combination of support for people who work in the industry, kind of an unofficial sort of hospitality union and a kind of job exchange. Yeah. Is that about right? Well, yeah. I mean, I'd say that it's like a community for people who work in the food world to like get to know one another um, and find good jobs, basically. Okay. It's all about like education and helping each other. And... You are about to start Dams and Jelly. Dams and Jelly Academy starts Which is? on Monday. It's my new online cookery school that is geared at, it's like professional cookery classes online that are all about teaching you how to cook, but in a realistic way. Restaurant style dishes, none of this like stupid shit you're never gonna make. But like all the lessons that I've learned through my personal experience without having to go to cookery school, because I think it can be like inaccessible that way. And then for every course we sell, we give one back to a kid in the school. So it's all about like getting food education a bit more accessible. So how on earth do you find time to do it all? It sounds mad to me. I know, it feels mad. And I was also writing, just finished writing another book. Which is book number two or number three? Number two. Number two. Um, and I just feel like, well, I mean, I have a, I have, I'm quite, quite regimented. Mm. I'll wake up at six in the morning or, you know, and I'll like exercise, 
you've got to exercise because otherwise I would be quite overweight. <laughs> exercise, and then I start my day really early, and then I just work through. I work six days a week, and I'm trying to just like, I usually work seven days a week, but I'm trying to now force Sundays off. Okay. And yeah, I just think I'm driven by the fact that I want to do good in a nice way. What does do good mean to you, though? I just feel like I don't want to do work that's um, not meaningful. Okay. And I feel like the work I do is meaningful and it keeps me going. Would that always involve essentially some kind of benefit or participation from that wider audience? Right? You don't just want to be, I'm not putting words in your mouth, but you don't want to be famous for famous' sake. Absolutely. You don't want to sell, a, you know, you don't want to run a line of cupcakes in the supermarket <laughs> just for the money. Yeah, I don't want to sell diet tea or anything <laughs> like that. I, I, my biggest thing is if I'm not giving back or doing, if I'm not giving something back or I'm not doing something that feels genuine to me, then I won't do it. Those are my two rules. Okay. So that's how I like assess every situation, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. All this stuff on your plate, pun not intended. Yeah. Right? But I can sort of tell, even though we've only just met today, yeah. I can tell from talking to you yeah. and looking at you that you're 100% thinking about what the next thing's going to be. <laughs> I know you are. I can, I can just tell. Is that fair? Yeah. Okay. I like launched Down to Jelly. Yeah. This week, actually. And at the same time, I was thinking about what the next project's going to be. Right. And um, I already know it. And I'm just like, right, that's... Can you then, tell me what it is, or are you not allowed to? No. Well, I, I, I don't want to say it in case I don't pull through You don't want to jinx it? Yeah. Okay. But, but are, we, are we talking about more broadcast? No, no, this is like a really fun project for humans. <laughs> in, in the food world, it's really good. Okay. Ah. But would you... I mean, are you going to do another season of oh. Bake Off? Or, are you, or do you want to... Because presumably you've had the offers or they're on their way, you know, they want you to go on Saturday Kitchen or they want you to go on, yeah. oh my God. you know, this thing or that thing, show up on Steph's packed lunch or this, Seven that and whatever. Do you, do you care about any of that? No. <laughs> Good for you. You know what? I've done a bit of it. Yeah. I did, um, do, I like James Martin, do that one. Yeah. I did it this morning, but I will say what I quickly realised after doing it was that... I don't think that that world is something that I really want to plunge too much into. I mean, because I found live TV cooking so, so hard. <laughs> As opposed to the live podcast cooking that we're making. But it's do. really hard, and yeah. I think people underestimate it. And you've got to be geared quite like... You've got to be able to switch on and really quickly and do a lot of things at once, and I, I think it's quite daunting and quite scary. Performative. Yeah, it's very performative. Mm. I, I don't know, I mean, who knows? I might do something like that. I mean, I'm not going to say I would never... But for now, that's why I'm really focused on setting myself up financially and also in a way that, like, gears that I don't have to do those things if I don't want to. Okay. Because, say, also, like, say it doesn't pan out. Right. I'm never going to put all my eggs in one basket. That's why I spread all my assets and, like, stuff everywhere. Yeah. Because you never know, right. you know? You never know. But would you be tempted, say, someone asks you to do your own show about baking? Someone yeah. asks you to do a one-off where you maybe kind of talk a bit more about yourself and your family and your upbringing via food. You know the yeah. kinds of formats that we're talking about, right? You've seen people do those yeah. sorts of things. Would you be interested in that? Yeah, I mean, I get, I get like TV opportunities thrown at me and it really not, I'm so grateful. I, don't know, I have to say, I'm not saying this because I'm not grateful. Yeah. I just think you have to think about what comes with it. And yeah, I would do it, but it'd have to be, have to, it'd have to feel right and I never want to put on like an act just for yeah. the sake of... A TV show, basically. And you d presumably you don't want to have to stop all of the stuff that you've already got going, right? Yeah. Like, I love... I just love Counter Talk, and I love all of the general work that I do. 
I don't know. I'm grateful for all opportunities. <laughs> <laughs> so, one more flatbread's gone in the pan, yeah. one more being rolled out. And then that's I mean, it. Yeah. Obviously, this works terribly as an audio format, but it smells amazing. Okay, good. And I can smell the fat of the butter. I can smell the caramelization on the outside of the paratas. Like, this is just a staple, right? You would eat this all the time. Breakfast, yeah, lunch, yeah, dinner, yeah. whatever. It's just, it's there. Well, it's very much, it's a big breakfast dish. Because my family are essentially farmers. Okay. So it, it's like your first meal of the day. Get you going. Keep you going through the day. One of those foods that comes from a time when you need every carbohydrate that's going. Yeah. Because you're going to be out working exactly. with your hands for yeah. eight hours, yeah. ten hours. Yeah. What might you have this with if you weren't having it on its own? Always just with yogurt. Always okay. just with like lovely yogurt. I'm just going to cut them up and okay. put some butter on them. But yeah. So. Always with a nice amount of yogurt. I've decided that we like the um, salted butter. It's much nicer. So I'm going to nerd out on the butter because okay. I care about my butter. Yeah. How fancy is this? <laughs> oh, that's pretty fancy. Yeah. It's nice. Okay. I this like is to bake cultured butter yeah. from the estate dairy. See, they're so posh they don't even have to name the estate. I know. They just assume that you know which one it is. Or if you have to ask, you can't <laughs> my, afford it. My mum, like, loves, secretly loves when I bring all this fancy stuff back, but she wouldn't buy it herself. <laughs> you know? One of the richest tasting butters on the market. Well, I'll be the judge. It is. it is. Where should we eat? At the table? I think we should eat at the table. Okay. Yeah. Do you? Yes, 100%. Okay, great. Okay, so. Potato oh, flatbreads so spread with super fancy single estate. Yes. Toff butter. Yes. <laughs> Fresh lemon and seasoned yogurt? Or is yeah, that just a bit of salt and pepper over top of I'm yogurt? Gonna see, I'm going to put some salt and some bit of cumin in there because. Uh, okay. That'll be nice. Right. We usually put chilli on the table. Right, as a condiment. If you want to eat it. Oh, 100%. With it. So yeah, maybe yeah. I should cut it into some slices. I think you should definitely have some chilli. It's nice of you to ask me what I think, but we're really much more in your hands. Because it's not very spicy. This chilli isn't very spicy, unfortunately. Okay. Okay, so but we've got cumin, salt, salt, pepper on the Greek yoghurt. Yeah. But and usually, my mum would always serve natural set yoghurt, but I always think it's quite pissy. The, the separated water yeah. and the solids she, and stuff, yeah. yeah. Bear in mind that I think it needs some more salt, but I just couldn't really do that. So maybe put a bit more butter on there if you want to. Okay. Yogurt, and then like... So you, you, you do one how you would eat it, and I'll, so, I'll talk people through the plating up process. So we've got a dollop of the spiced yogurt. Yeah. And going then take, in there. take a nice piece. And then we're taking a quarter of our round well, of just, parata. You'd, yeah, you'd get a whole one on your plate. Right, okay. But, and then if you want a bit of lemon, you don't have to, a bit oh. of butter, maybe try it first. Yeah, so I'm going to try it just yeah. with the yogurt. Yeah. Okay. And then you might want to put some, the butter's got salt in it, so if you want more salt, do that. And yeah, mm. that's kind of how you eat it, basically. That is crispy and soft at the same time. Really warm. I, mean, I don't just mean the kind of temperature, that's got a real kind of, <laughs> that's got a real kind of hum mm. underneath it, like a kind of comfort mm. food hum. That sounds, do you know what I mean? Mm. That is absolutely delicious, but I am, because I've got the stick of fancy butter. Mm. Gonna use your um, yeah. chapstick technique, get some more butter on it. Chapstick. Wouldn't that be great? Mm. Just carry butter around and just keep rubbing it mm. on your lips. But and yeah. then, okay, and then I'm gonna go a little My bit. My mum would eat these and be like, these are not good enough. Not salty enough. <laughs> yeah. Okay, but she's not here right now, okay? Mm. So that's fine. Mm. Oh, mate. 
That is absolutely stunning. Good. It's absolutely delicious. Do you like it? I do. Are you happy with I it? I think that my mum's are better. <laughs> Only because I just think hers are better. But Because she would put more salt in it? Mm. Um, more chilli. Be way more spicy, but she'd put those little bullet chilies in there. Right. But, no, um, yeah. But nice. I can see how you could, I mean, even for me, you could comfortably, it's delicious, but you mm. could turn up the chilli notch, yeah. like, uh -huh. three or four oh. for me, and, um, and that would be okay. So, something I was thinking about on the way here, which I'm sure you've been asked before, or I'm sure you've thought about before. Mm -hmm. What is it about the act of baking for other people rather than simply cooking for other people mm. that makes it seem so much more affectionate? There's something about baking that seems to carry just an extra kind of dose of love and care that ordinary cooking doesn't. Yeah. So, like, I mean, if I came round to your house and I'd brought you, I don't know, I'd brought you a, a roast chicken or I'd brought you a pate that I'd made, I'm sure you'd be delighted, right? But if I came round and I had a freshly baked loaf of bread, that would be a warmer gesture somehow. Does that feel right to you? Yeah. What is it about baking that carries that dose of love? I think the whole thing about baking is that you're giving people something that they don't need, but you're doing it because it's nice, <laughs> you know? Yeah, like yeah, Like, you yeah, don't yeah. need to eat a cake, <laughs> but it's nice too. Right. Yeah, that's and what I think. It's sort of more purely generous. Yeah, I find it, like, offensive. I, like, I can't date anyone who doesn't like cake or sweet stuff. I just think it's, like, very offensive. Right, there's something wrong with you <laughs> if you don't like cake. 100%. Or, like, if, like, I've got one of my best friends doesn't like chocolate and it, it hurts my soul. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It just, like, crushes me. Yeah. Because mm. I feel like I can't connect in the same way. Like, I can, because we're best friends, but there's, a, there's an element there of, like, wish you liked chocolate. <laughs> so, if there was, so if you go around someone's house for dinner, it's been beautiful, yeah. starters, yeah. amuse-bouches, yeah. delicious non-alcoholic drinks, fine chef -y techniques, yeah. and they're, like, dessert time, and they're, like, just yoghurt or a banana. Oh, my God. Absolutely <laughs> not. Get me out of here. <laughs> Get me to McDonald's, apple pie. Oh, really? Love them. Ever dipped yeah. it in the milkshake? Dip it in the McFlurry. Dip it in the McFlurry. Plain McFlurry, apple pie. Dipped. Make a little hole, dip it in, keep going. Uh, to calm the thermonuclear hotness of the pie in it. Well, they're never that hot anymore. Aren't they? No. I haven't eaten one since I was a kid. Oh, I eat one like maybe once a week. And I <laughs> feel <laughs> like what happens is they used to be boiling hot and then they got taken to court, I think. Because they For scalding someone. people's yeah. face. And now yes. they have to be like a lukewarm temperature before they can serve them to you, actually. Oh. Which is why, and also not enough people order them, so it takes ages when you order one for them to give it to you. Because they get it out hot and then they, have, yeah. they legally have to wait for it to cool. Yeah. So would you be really upset with me if I said that basically most of the time at home we don't really do dessert? I wouldn't be upset with you because I don't live in your house. <laughs> but I would... I just think you should look into that. There's always chocolate. <laughs> okay, fine. Right, so the, the meal always ends with chocolate. I've always got a selection of biscuits. Right, and there, yeah, there's always chocolate, there's always biscuits. There's always house. biscuits, always, um, on the go. All my skills, and that's, just, and that's not a lot, yeah. are all at the savoury end of the spectrum. And oh. actually, I read or heard you talking about this at yeah. some point. You were talking about the fact that so many people in the professional culinary world are only at the savoury end of the spectrum and don't have a clue what's going yeah. on at the end of the meal. Yeah. Is that true? Yeah. I go to so many restaurants where the food is so good, 10 out of 10, and then you get to dessert and it's like, what is this? 
Went to a very good restaurant the other day. Delicious meal, awful dessert. Right, one good dessert on the menu would be fine, right? Yeah. This is all we're going to do. All we know yeah. how to do is make a really nice trifle, so that's yeah. what you're having. Or a nice tiramisu. Yeah. A scoop of ice cream. Even fucking cookie. A cookie. Give me a cookie at the end of my meal. Fine. Okay. So, <laughs> we never like to come to someone's house empty-handed, and... Sometimes I bring people cheese, because the way I live in East Sussex, I've got really good produce and yeah. stuff like that. But I've gone out on a limb this time, and I have baked something for you. Have you? I have, because I figured, right, that no one ever bakes anything for you, because you're the baker, right? Absolutely. Okay, so <laughs> I baked something for you yesterday. That is so nice. And this is Cousin Vicky's American cornbread. So this is in, in its loaf tin still, having been transported in my rucksack right, all the way from East Sussex. But yeah, so here we go. This is Cousin Vicky's cornbread, oh which I'm goodness. too nervous to take out of the tin now. So I'm, gonna make, I'm gonna make you do it. Oh look, it's still loaf shaped. Fine. Good. Okay. So this is not sweet. No, 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 no. So that is. Uh, you know that horrible canned cream sweet corn yeah. that they make nasty starter soup out of? Yeah. It looks like wallpaper paste. Yeah. So it's that can. Yeah. Then that can is then filled with cornmeal. Yep. Two eggs, chilies, baking soda, uh, cumin, salt, a little bit of oil, and then a ton of grated cheddar. Mm. What's it like? I haven't tried it myself for a I while. I always find that cornbread can be very dry, but this is the complete opposite. Want to try some? That's not bad. Even if I say so myself. No, it's good. You're not perfect. obligated to like it, by no, the way. No, it's perfectly I'm, seasoned. The idea was to serve this. It's a little really bit, nice. A little bit of chicken, something kind of mm. crispy, meaty, and then a bit of sour cream mm. on top or a bit of yogurt. Mm. And sometimes we put a tomato salsa on it. Love that. This is really nice. It's all right, isn't it? Yeah. Well, cousin Vicky will be pleased. It's her recipe. Well, we've talked about all kinds of things and it's been an extremely entertaining and enjoyable conversation from my point of view. Irrespective of the fact that this is a podcast and there's a bunch of people standing around or whatever, it's really nice to be welcomed into somebody's house. It's really nice to meet you, yes, and you. in person. And to cook this delicious alu prata with the yogurt and the onions and the chilies and the lemon and the butter is... We're just grateful to be able to come, come here and, and eat it, but we're also grateful to be able to kind of get to know you and talk to you a little bit. So... On behalf of Root and Bone Podcast and all the people that are listening, thank you very much for having us in your house. Well, thank you for coming to do this. This is so nice. Oh, I'm glad. Yeah, thank, thank you. <laughs> You'd think a large helping of potato flatbreads might make a person sleepy, but Rav's energy made us want to start doing more stuff for more people right away. Hope you feel the same. There's a lot of things in the food business that need fixing, but if anyone's going to do it, I think it's probably Rav. She doesn't drink, so there's no wine pairing this week, but there's a lot to mention. Rav's latest book called Sugar I Love You is out now, so take a look. You can also find the Counter Talk website or social feeds. Uh, they'll have great advice about all aspects of the food business and job offers. And if you want to learn how to bake like a boss, search for Dams and Jelly Academy and you'll find details on her online cookery courses. Thanks again to Rav for hosting and for feeding us. We loved it. Please like and subscribe and let us know what you think of the podcast at Root and Bone on all the usual social channels. Thanks to Thomas Duncan and George McDonough for production help. Thanks to Steve Ryan for the photographs. And thank you for listening. Join us next week for another helping.